0: Welcome to Effigy Recall, a community based podcast for the miniatures game Judgment. Hello, and welcome to this special episode of Effigy Recall. I'm your host, Shane. And my short notice co-host today is Dave. How you doing today, Dave?
1: Doing good. Just finished up work and uh, ready to talk about the patch.
0: Awesome, man. Awesome, man. I'm excited to talk about the patch today as well. So uh, on today's episode, we're going to go over patch 9.0. Uh, the notes were released today and become the patch becomes official on January 1st, 2020. We're uh, going to go over all of the changes and rate them on some sliding scales, which may or may not be familiar to you. All right, let's start this one off with some uh, clarifications. So the Frost Condition introduced issues around other debuffs from different sources when debuffs from different sources were applied. They decided to clarify the Frost Condition so its application was simpler. A model suffering the Frost Condition suffers the following effects. Agility capped at three. Move capped at three. Basic attacks damage reduced by one. The agility and move modifiers from the frost condition are applied before any other agility and move modifiers. Seems good. This changes the order operations a bit, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, so one of the things that was kind of getting a lot of discussion in the Discord was the fact that, you know, if you apply frost before knockdown, knockdown before frost, poison, back and forth, etc., it kind of cleans a lot of that up and simplifies it. So now instead of just like, hey, I've got to remember that poison went out before frost went before whatever. Um, Now it's just simple, right? You cap it at the value. You do any modifiers after. Um, I think it cleans it up quite a bit.
0: Yeah, man, I agree. You know, I I was getting worried about having to like, you know, starting to keep notepads on the side of the board to be like, okay, I did this. Then I did that. Then I did this. Now this just kind of makes it much much simpler
1: yeah i think it it definitely cleans it up and you know one of the things like you're saying there right the no you don't want to get to a case where you got too much stuff to keep track of and this just makes it easy
0: right right so does this change who you would take with zim
1: um i think it might a little bit i personally haven't looked at zim a huge amount um But the way that this condition is i think i think it definitely allows you to play around with some uh some more conditions in a warband with zim that you might not have looked at otherwise just because it the way that it behaves kind of funky um it probably also saves your order of activations a little bit as well right you don't want to go like all right i have to go with zim first to apply frost and then apply some other condition you know like a knockdown or something um so that you're not hurting yourself
0: right so you can actually make this model a little bit easier to hit first by knocking it down with a marcus or somebody on the charge and then zim can come in and really crank that down so you don't see like a piper with boots of agility still sitting there at, you know an agi four or five
1: yeah it, yeah it definitely makes it makes it a little bit more threatening i think to the higher um agi stuff and then with the order of
0: activations so definitely
1: definitely makes it a little bit easier to apply it and punish those dirty elves
0: yeah and i mean we all should punish dirty elves right exactly (laughs) so on a scale of attack of the clones to rogue one how do you rate this change
1: um i would probably say this is uh like return of the jedi it's kind of middle of the pack it feels good and it will kind of simplify things uh and it definitely will uh you know it's something i'm i'm actually excited to have seen at this point right just kind of like when the original trilogy trilogy was around you wanted to see the end it's kind of how i'm feeling on frost right here this is what i expected to see and it was good to see
0: Awesome. Awesome. So uh, we're going to move on to Fly now. So they clarified how Fly works on monsters since the original definition specifically spoke about heroes. So a monster with Fly ignores intervening models and impassable terrain. terrain features when moving is part of the Hunter rule. The monster's final placing after the Hunter rule move must not overlap with any other model's base. It seems like a very obvious change to me.
1: Yeah, so this was one that the way Fly was printed didn't actually work on uh, the Dorg. um, Right. Because he never technically charged, right? So here it's just saying, hey, you know, we've got this rule. Let's clean it up. It wasn't quite, you know, future proofed enough when they put it on the monster. Um, And this is kind of like we've essentially been treating it that way when we've played with the Dorg um, in my local meta, because that's the intent. I think this is just the wording that essentially sets that right so we, so that you know it behaves that way
0: right and i mean i know for me personally anytime i've ever played with a dark con he's been on the other side of the board from wherever my models are so i never really had to worry about it
1: <laughs> that is usually <laughs> that is usually the very safe spot to be when a dork is on the
0: table <laughs> right right yeah. we'll uh, so on a little... scale of uh, battlefield earth to face off where do you think this one falls dave Oh, let's
1: see. I think I might go with, uh, I think, was it the original Punisher movie? John Travolta was the villain? Yeah. And I think this yeah. is on the, uh, I mean, that's one of my favorite, like, early comic book movies. Uh, this is an enjoyable change. Uh, it's just one of those things but you know, clean, cleaning up the rules as the game grows is going to become a bigger deal, right? Um, oh, absolutely. One of those things that will, uh, that definitely does that. Um, and it, it cleans it up if they want to make another flying monster in the future. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, or you know, another flying summon, I think as well. Uh, right. The way and that they keeps... have it
0: right, and it keeps them away from putting too many more words on Khan's card, right?
1: Correct. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing too is you don't want to have cards that have just massive pa- paragraphs of text, especially when it's something that's kind of duplicated across cards, right? You want it to be short and concise, so you've got room for the important stuff.
0: Right. Right. So let's move on to small. With the introduction of Bale and Sarna, we decided to include small in the core rules as previously it was something unique to Victor. A model with the small ability has a 40 millimeter diameter base and a height of one inch. Pretty straightforward, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is something that as they're introducing gablins, because um, I'm assuming we'll see more unmounted goblins like Bale and Sarna, something to get cleaned up. Um, again, it's, it's taking some of that, extra text in, you know, centralizing it and making it, you know, uh, repeatable and reusable.
0: Right, right. And I, you know, the more I think about these models, the more I love the interactions we're going to see between Victor and Bale and Sarna versus, you know, opposing Victor, Bale and Sarna's on, you know, like the Cobblestone 5's map where there's just all of these walls that are also height 1 and nobody's going to be able to see each other. Nobody's going to be able to charge each other or anything. It's going to be kind of funny.
1: Yeah, actually, Scorched Earth, I think, might be the one with the double wall in the, you're talking about in the middle. Oh, um, uh, that yeah, that would be
0: true. That would yeah, be true.
1: Yeah, there is one on Cobblestone, but it's kind of offset. Um, right. Like, a more one-player side. But it is actually kind of interesting, right? I mean, if you come from other games, normally walls are an hindrance, but they don't completely stop you from doing something. So that's actually, as more small models come out, we'll be actually interested to see how that kind of ends up... Uh, current because i believe that also means knocked down models i think are also of height one that are uh just regular sized so that means you know a victor or a bale or whatever actually can't see or target a knocked down model over a wall i'm not a hundred percent on that but i'm pretty sure um a knockdown model is height one so you get into some weird interactions with that so
0: seems cool i'm excited for some more small models to be running around um So on a scale of Monopoly to Gloomhaven, where would you put this one? I'll put this one
1: as Settlers of Catan. Some people are really going to be okay with it, mostly if you're not playing a whole lot of small models. Uh, But if you are, it's one of those things that uh, the height one and wall interaction, I think, is going to, you know, get people frustrated. Uh, Just like Settlers of Catan happens to do with people that play more serious board games.
0: (laughs) All right, so uh, Soulless, the introduction of more undead heroes means it's time to put Soulless in the core rules. We also clarified what happens when one Soulless model kills another. Um, So there's a lot of text here that was the generic part of the Soulless before. And then um, if a model with the Soulless ability kills another Soulless model, the effigy of the model with the soulless ability gains the banked soul. So if I'm right here, the banked soul used to go to the closest model. If you kill the so, fazil with a fazil, right?
1: Um, Actually, I think nothing occurred. I think with okay. the old wording, if a fazil killed a fazeal, um, because he was soulless and couldn't get the soul, nothing occurred. Because he couldn't... Because I believe the wording was, right, you have to be able to get a soul to begin it, right? Because they're auto-suffering the curse condition. So so it's got the statement of, instead, if a hero's not suffering the curse condition, the the enemy hero's effigy gains a banked soul. But because the soulless model was always cursed, he wouldn't be able to get that effigy, that that, uh, soul uh, to the effigy. Um, so this basically is, you know, as they're adding the second undead hero to the game, and, um, we know that there is at least one more undead hero, um, coming down after what we've seen. Um, this just makes it so, you know, your Fazil can kill a Fazil or a Zim can kill a Fazil and you can get a soul, right? Which is definitely the intent. Um. So this is just definitely cleaning up some of the stuff that as the game grows a little bit, right? We get into some new interactions that need to be clarified.
0: Right. Right. Um so on a scale of St. Louis pizza to New Haven pizza, what's your tasty rating on this one?
1: Uh I actually don't know what New Haven pizza is. Uh so that
0: for shame. Not... For yeah. shame. Uh,
1: and I'm not a massive pizza guy. Uh, just in general, but it's definitely better than St. Louis pizza because <laughs> cheese is definitely kind of funky. You know, being from Wisconsin, it's a little, little strange. But uh, yeah, this is it's you know it's another good update to the base rule set that as we as we expand and make the game larger, I think this just helps, right? Um, especially like I know my local meta. Um, we've got a handful of people that are playing a lot of Fazil, and Fazil on Fazil violence is not something. I mean, it's something that occurs quite a bit, so.
0: Right, so clarifying that was very good. Yeah. All right, so uh, Alan Deer has been on the radar for several months. They feel he is perhaps a touch above the curve, and after much deliberation, decided to nerf his bow basic attack, changing the critical damage from five down to four. What do you think about that?
1: So I am a self-proclaimed Alan Deer hater, so I like this change. Um <laughs> as uh as someone that plays a lot of minotaurs the aoe fire is problematic um but just uh taking a step back from that outside of that i think when we look at some of the range characters and how they interact with the game and the power level that they can tend to have um i think it's important to make sure that like we find that kind of sweet spot in balance and if you look at like i'll always compare him to zafn's Zaffins one i've been playing a lot more lately and his damage grid is not i mean it's better than Allendeer's, right? It it used it's a three four six, I believe. Um, so it's essentially, you know, it was plus one to Allendeer's grid. However, it was only one. It's only one action for Allendeer to shoot versus two. So it's much right. easier to get off, you know, the two shots that Zaffin can if he's you know unengaged, or you bring tools to unengage him. Um, and because of the kind of utility that he brings with the explosive shot and the twin shot with the AOE damage, I feel like this is a pretty good change. Um, it, it brings down his ability to just completely remove something from the table. Um, you know, from nine inches, again, only one inch shorter than, than Saffin. Uh, but obviously with a lot more mobility. So, uh, it, it feels pretty good to me. I know that, um, Allendeer, I think is like by far the most man character. We'll see if this is enough to change that. I actually think it's more the explosive shot um, could be the, the key, right? Because if you're playing, you know, defenders that want to be within two inches of something, you know, trying to defend a model and all getting, you know, hit with explosive shot and put on fire. Um, I think is more the problem versus just his base damage grid. But I think this helps bring him in line, I think, with other ranged and magic characters. So that Zaffin has that feel of the big artillery piece where, you know, where uh, Allendear is kind of more in line with the other ranged characters, I guess. At least that's my initial thoughts. Um, He's picking up a bit in my local meta, but he is definitely something that at least I know I I ban quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, I tend to ban him only because I play clumped up. That's just my personal play style. Um, I actually bought him at Warfare Weekend to try him out so that I could get him onto the table a little bit more. And I don't think this dissuades me from picking him. I think this, to me, more brings him in line with a stereo. So now I need to make the choice on a ranged aggressor, whether I want her flavor or his flavor, where she, to me, has a tendency to be more single target, where he's a little bit more AOE. But now because their base damage is the same grid, now I'm making the choice between those two instead of you know, him being almost sh- superior in almost every way to me.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely it makes it a bit more interesting of a choice. I mean, I've seen a lot of warbands where people try to use both, right? They use the explosive shot to attempt to uh, enable... Uh, Astariel's Conflagrate. Right, I think the ability is up top my head. Um, but I think it definitely makes the, the choices at the range aggressor spot a little more interesting. Um, I think if people were taking Allendeer, they were probably still going to take Allendeer with this change. I don't know if it changes people's minds about that. Because I think you're bringing him for some of that AoE ability he can do. Um, and then as a you know as an RNG aggressor versus a magic aggressor, if you're trying to not have uh, fighting over items, um, and his level three is still really strong, right? If you can get him to that level three, being able to ignore true damage can be even you know only critting for four, he's going to go through defenders pretty quick because he's got a lot of true damage right. from combat maneuvers. He's got fire, and then he's just ignoring the res. And uh, outside of you know other fate ability true damage. Kind of abilities you don't really get that where you can get it on your basic attacks
0: right right so uh on a scale of donatello to april O'Neil, where's this one going
1: uh this one i'd have to put actually like splinter so i'm gonna say it's splinter level of good because anything that uh nerfs elves helps and especially i mean anything for a character you know that is banned as much as he is right so whatever, whatever a, changes they feel necessary to get that more in line with other heroes right you don't want a hero whether it's perception or power or whatever to be banned a dramatically higher amount than anything else and I think this is starting to bring him back in you know in line now the question is was he really too powerful or too good before that's kind of hard to say right because a lot of times people see him they were just banning him versus facing him and that's
0: <laughs> uh, i'm guilty i'm guilty yeah
1: i mean i was the same way right when i play a, a melee death ball list the last thing i want to see is aoe fire and you know Deer across the table from me uh so if it can if it can start leveling that out and if we start seeing him more, I mean, I, I think he's still perfectly playable. I don't think this is one of those things where like, oh man, my, you know, my favorite hero got nerfed. You're not going to see him anymore. I think he's still good. The reasons you bring him, you're still going to bring him. Um, And yeah, he's still good.
0: All right. On to the big Dorg. So Dorgakon is the first model that can play two roles on the battlefield. And while their goal is to ensure the same feel across both forms. Their primary responsibility is to ensure game balance. So Dorg, big old Dorg, took a took a big hit with the nerf bat. His maximum health was reduced from 12 to 10 for only the summitable version of Dorg.
1: Yeah, what's actually a little bit interesting here is that like 12 to 10 is an interesting health threshold, right? Because most of your aggressors in the game crit for five. So right. it now takes him from being, you know, a 12, you either had to have like two Thorgard crits or a glance and two crits or something. So it actually takes it within an easier range of just an aggressor killing him with a charge and a follow-up attack. I mean, he's still edgy four. So, I mean, he's a little bit higher. I mean, he's, or I guess not a little bit higher. A little bit higher to me as someone that plays a lot of Minotaurs and Dwarves. Uh, but, uh, so, he, I mean, this feels good, right? The thing is, is Dorg, Dorg was very strong, right? He, I mean, he already essentially got got banned from being able to be played in threes due to how good right. he was. Um, and in fives, I, I have limited experience with Victor. He's actually a model I just built. I'm planning on, on getting some games with him soon. Um, and I think this change is fine. I think that really the strongest part about the Dorg is actually the Soul Hunter ability. Um, so making the Dorg a little bit harder to keep alive seems pretty pretty reasonable, right? You have to be a little more tactical with them versus just kind of launching them across. Cause you know, that it's now he can m- much more easily die to a single activation of an opposing model versus before with 12, he was just kind of on that edge where it would take a little bit more than that.
0: Yeah. So do you think uh, this makes a little bit harder of a decision for Victor? Cause I don't know about your experience. My experience has been once he was, once he became legal, people stopped summoning Algarath and we just saw Dorg or nothing.
1: Yeah. So I haven't seen Victor a whole lot on the table. He's actually won because of the Dorg. I was kind of banning Um, depending, especially depending on the map where it's easy to generate fate. Um, You can, you can really put a lot of pressure on and it, he can range out and get on something that, uh, That is, you know, your squishy Soulgazer or something with Souls on it. And then he hits incredibly hard. Um, Also, due to the nature of fives of how spread out you can get, if they've got something that's kind of off on its own on a flank, right, your door can kind of go after it a bit more safe because it's less likely there's going to be more, you know, follow-up damage or protection for that piece. Um, So he's been something I've actually, like him and Allendeer, and I've been two band targets I see when I tend to have seen them. Um he's still he's still good. I'll, I'll have to see how it goes, especially because I'm gonna be trying to get Victor on the table a bit more. Um and the the one time I played Victor, I totally screwed up my dork anyways and kind of launched him across the table and <laughs> he was instantly like followed up and get killed. I'm like, oh I charged something with a soul on and like oh I'm gonna do all this damage, and then I think I rolled the solid on the charge and then the dork was just kind of sitting there and you know he just removed <laughs> it pretty easily. Um because, yeah, it's definitely it's something that's kind of interesting, especially because you give, uh, what is it, fate in a level. So that now that right. you have to be a, a lot more careful too, right? Just making that thing, being it being a bit squishier now in general, right? You can actually give your opponent a lot more. So you have to be a little bit more cagey with it and probably a bit more defensive. So in that perspective, I think Algorath probably still has a place, especially if you're playing against a, a warband that's got minimal like minimal aggressors, so you can lock down or taunt and try and keep some of that uh, problematic. Because I don't think you get nearly as much when you kill Algarath. And he's only—he might be the same hit points now. Now that I think
0: about it, uh, or he might be eight. I don't know. Let's uh, let's take a look. So Algarath is eight hit points. Yeah. So and actually three. So you know, there's there's a significance difference in the sustainability oh, yeah, there so yeah
1: so but yeah I mean I think it's fine it, it's another one that probably I don't know Victor's band stats off the top of my head but I assume he's probably higher on the band um,
0: right so, at least since last patch right
1: yeah probably so I assume that that this again is something to kind of bring the try and level you know the hero power a, a bit across things
0: All right, cool. Well, I'm interested to hear your tales after you get a couple of games in with them. Um, So on a scale of Battle of Azeroth to the Lost Vikings, where do you think this one slides in at?
1: Um, I'll say Diablo 1 because it's a kind of classic. It's a good change middle of the road. I think it's still enjoyable to boot up and play now. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they improved upon it with Diablo 2, but uh, I uh, I think it's pretty good.
0: Alright, alright. So, controlling the Shrine of Eldir often meant a player would seed first turn and the initiative to their opponent. There were occasions where this negative would outweigh the value of getting the Shrine. This is something that they wanted to fix since securing an objective should always have a positive effect. So, when controlling the Shrine of Eldir, converting it to Terra is optional. I personally stayed away from the Shrine of eldir a lot of the times i just didn't want to deal with having it you know it's obviously showed in my game uh it jnac so you know to me it's this is almost like a non-change because i just stayed away from it anyway how do you feel
1: so it's kind of an intriguing one because being able to go first or who goes first in a round it can be quite important to the flow of the game and how things are going right um And Terra prior to this, just kind of like, all right, well, I'm, I'm losing that no matter what happens if you were going first, but if you were, if you were currently going first in the round and your opponent was going second, it did feel more advantageous for them to go after it. But if you go after it and then get it right. And then they don't, whatever they had nearby, they just move away and give it to you to switch the turn order. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I don't know how often that, that occurred. But it is something that could, right? Because if you were already going second, getting the Eldir Shrine, it felt like it had a bit more value. Because unless you're killing a model or something before it activates again, uh, you're you're keeping the turn order the same and you're getting an extra, extra activation. So I, I feel like this helps, right? You still get the fate no matter what. So at the very least, there is some value in getting the fate, even if you don't want um, Terra to appear um thematically this is actually i think the coolest character shrine um i think it's a sweet idea of the shrine becoming a model you get to control this big you know earth elemental that hits like a mac truck i I really enjoy that like that theme and that flavor to it um but it did feel detrimental at times and i think like what you said right where you just avoided it i I think other people were doing the same and now this makes it less that way so that, like, if it if you know it won't tr- change turn order, you're already going second or whatever. You can decide at that point that you want it, um, and you still get the f- you still get one fate, which feels not fantastic for a shrine. However, you're getting that optional, you know, summoning of Terra basically, um, and it's just it's more controlled from the player's perspective if you want to do it or not. Because I'm pretty sure every other character shrine, whatever it does is optional. I don't think it's required. I would have to double check the wording on some of the other shrines, though.
0: I don't believe I remember any being optional off the top of my head, but I'm not 100% positive either.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I guess even if they aren't, right, you could heal a full health hero if you didn't want to heal one or place the model exactly where it is for the air shrine. Right. Uh, So I guess it... I guess from that, like it, it might not be worded optional, but it like kind of is. And same with the, you know, the fire shrine. you don't have to buy items, right? It's an optional item. Buy right.
0: Can get. Right. So when arrange a range of goofy to launch pad, McQuack, where's this one flying in at?
1: Uh, oh man. I really don't know. ducktails ducktales that well. Um, I'll say launch pad McQuack cause you have them on the high end of the spectrum. <laughs> I think this is a really, this is a really good change for the shrine. Um, I think it's starting to bring it closer in line with the other character shrines and just getting the flexibility
0: I think is a big deal. Alright, cool, cool. So uh the order of timing between applying damage from an auto attack and executing combat maneuvers meant that damage from Fazil's decapitation was reduced twice by the target's res. I don't actually think I know anybody who played it like that. But okay i I believe that the rules were like that so uh they changed the rule to be the bonus damage from decapitation has been changed to true damage
1: correct um so we've actually been getting a lot of Fazil in my local meta um and i actually played him in the event uh we held last weekend um and well it we had started playing it the way that it was actually ruled to work um, it just didn't it didn't feel good playing it that way and it it's clearly it didn't feel like that was the intent right um
0: right right uh, you know, so if he's coming in there after res and doing you know four damage and then you're reducing that by their target's res of 2 again the decapitation feels super weak
1: yeah i mean i mean the best examples on the stone form uh stone rocker right he actually crits for 6 down to 3 and then would do another three damage, which is reduced by three. To zero. Right. So he create decaps for a grand total of three damage. And while right. he should be weaker against res, it's weird that it was double counting. So I think either it was just kind of a, a little bit of a slip up in the wording that they had, right? Um, but that was not the intent. So this is a good cleanup thing. It makes him a little bit better into res, which is always good, right? We need it, you have to have tools that can throw defenders. Um, Or they can just run Rampant on the table. Um, And I still don't think he's fantastic into res, right? Uh, The double J is not super likely. um, No, it's highly unlikely, right? Yeah, unless it happens in your first three straight charges in a game against your opponent, and then you feel a little bit sad. Because that definitely occurred (laughs) uh, when I played against someone on Saturday. Um, Yeah, definitely his first three charges all occurred decapped. I'm like, oof, this is... uh, (laughs) <laughs> like kind of rough, but yeah, it's uh, it's a good change. I think it. It. I don't think. Obviously, this is another one that like I don't think it changes the power level of Fizio much. I just think it makes them a little bit better and a bit wider of
0: applications. Yeah, and I think it just brings it to where everybody was actually already playing this, unless they had read the ruling on the Discord, anyway.
1: Yeah, unless you were definitely like plugged into that. I think that's how people assumed it worked. But that's also just. You know, again, kind of all the wording of res and the wording of, of decap.
0: Right. So from Ring Around to Rosie to Wheels on the Bus, what pitch are we hearing?
1: I think Wheels on the Bus. I think this is a tried and true classic. And it's something that it, it just makes sense, right? We cleaned it up, you know, and... I think Fazil hasn't been around for a huge amount of time. I think he model releases warfare weekend, but the one right. had been out for a while, but I think this is just, it gets decap going. And uh, I mean, it's something that it, it should feel good when it occurs. And then when you're like double hit by res, it's just like, it feels very disappointing to get the combat maneuver off.
0: Nice. So the wipers are going whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Yep. So, well, not exactly the same as Fazil, Gendris' Lightning Leap was another ability that could potentially have its damage reduced twice if multiple enemy models had res. This change provides a decent buff to her level 3 ability. Lightning Leap bounce damage changed to true damage. I don't think that this changes the way people will take her at all. Right? Do you?
1: No, and and I've actually played a fair amount of Kendris. Um, and the times I've gotten her to level three where she's actually lightning bolting is pretty minimal. Usually it's cause she's, you know, kind of working as a soul gazer when I don't have one, or she's applying a forest or old person to something. Um, I think this is good. This actually, this does actually intrigue me a bit because she starts at a pretty good, uh, magic seven. Um, and if you use her she's her damage grids like every other support hybrid the 234. So she actually doesn't feel bad if you get her like a ring of power or something. And then what's interesting there is it's true damage. So you can hit you know say a res zero model and then have it bounce into a defender and do true damage to that defender. Um, this was a corner case that kind of got brought up a bit um, by Chad on the Discord, so I don't want to take credit for this uh, this little bit of strategy. <laughs> stealing um,
0: Chad's tech already?
1: Yeah, it's stealing his tech already. Um, so there was there is an interesting application for that, right? It definitely like that actually kind of intrigues me a bit, especially if you're playing into you know a Doan rocker or you know just any kind of high res. Defender, essentially, um, and her level two is already incredibly strong. That there have been games where I've actually prioritized her to get a level by either setting up an easy soul harvest for or something. Um, that I, I think this gives this could give her some extra value. It's it's it is definitely interesting. Because um, the other thing that's kind of kind of cool about the way it's worded is you can bounce into or off of monsters
0: right because uh, it,
1: it does just say enemy model so again if you you can kind of do some some weird stuff with that possibly um, and the true damage I think is a big deal it just it, it's one of those things where if you're hitting a you know even a res one model it's gonna do way less damage by the time it bounces if you hit two res one models you're doing you know two damage when it does the bounce even though you crit already. Um, right right and and there's still ways to play around it because it does say the nearest you can't just pick another model within four or four to bounce to. Um, but like you said I, this is one that won't change like if you're taking Gendris you're taking Gendris. Um, this change just kind of makes R three a bit more enticing as something that maybe you need to try and play for a little bit because um, it it has some interesting applications now
0: cool cool man so uh from Cinderella to Jasmine where does this one enter the dance floor
1: um I probably go on the uh, Cinderella side I don't think it's enough to be a big change to her kit however it does make it feel better for what the ability is because for a level three for what she does it does her level three feels weak compared to most um so I think there it's pretty uh pretty solid
0: Nice. So on to Isabel. Isabel's release is scheduled for Adepticon in March. I'll be there. Hope to see everybody else there too. Um, so they are proud to set her to version 1.0, but they're going to slip in a little bit of a nerf. So Divine Intervention no longer affects Isabel. This is the ability that she has where I believe if somebody is reduced to zero hit points, they heal back to one. Correct?
1: Yeah, this is... Rock's level two, but in an aura for the first person per turn.
0: So I think this makes uh, it a little bit more interesting of which tree you're going to take with her. Every time I've played against her, people have just gone straight for divine intervention. They've tried to set something up and got her to level two so they could get divine intervention in there and try to get all the healing shenanigans going.
1: Yeah, I don't know if this... It's probably tilts it slightly towards retribution, but I still feel their holy tree is strong. Um this does give you some counterplay though, right? So if they're really trying to abuse that ability, right, you can try and remove Isabel, which honestly isn't the greatest I well, not always the greatest idea. Like she's a pretty sturdy <laughs> stat line. Um I know in the handful of games I've played with her, I've played uh like Marcus with her and put her to res two um and then she has you know she has her own self-healing and stuff like that but it does allow you to to try and remove her to remove that ability from the table i feel like that is it it is a nerf to it i think the ability is still strong um i'm still incredibly excited to play her uh i know i'm I'm fitting her into a handful of warbands uh and and i've been enjoying her uh the the amount of games i've had with her so
0: All right, so from Wheelie to Bumblebee, where are you going to skid in on this one?
1: Uh, Definitely Bumblebee. I, I, I'm, and I'm rating more than not just her change, but the fact that this is her 1.0 card. Um, Right. So I thought there were more changes coming to her, especially I've heard some rumblings about changes to the level three, Um, because it is very like her level three is incredibly strong. Um, I haven't had a chance to get her to it yet. Uh, but even just getting her to level two felt like it could be pretty strong against my opponent, especially because she can clear off conditions for free at that point and still heal. Um, yeah, I'm super excited for. Her. I've I've got a handful of warbands ready where I want to play her. Um, I like the model. I like the, the paladin. The I'm I'm in on her uh, quite a bit. So
0: yeah, I'm definitely in on her as well. Uh, so Sir Marcus the winter night after all Sir Marcus is immune to the frost condition Um, I don't see this as a super huge impact to the game personally I don't think that we will see Sir Marcus anymore or any less because of this change what do you think
1: yeah I think he's going to fall right in with where he is people might look at him slightly more if they're seeing a lot of Zim just because the uh, like dropping Marcus going from edgy 4 to 3 actually feels kind of rough Um, Mm -hmm. because he's a little bit less at points than some of the other defenders that are lower edgy. So putting him, you know, essentially at thrommel stats, um, with, I believe a few less at points is kind of rough. Um, he also just has a two, three, four and a one, two, three on the, uh, the damage grid, which is kind of interesting because a lot of people use Marcus to set up knockdowns. So if you frost Marcus, you actually have to get more than a glance to do it because your damage would be zero. Um, So it lets them be a lot more consistent. Again, I mean, we don't know how many more characters will bring Frost. uh, Right? We only have the first. So um, if we get, you know, say two to three more and people are playing around Frost more, you might just see them just because he's immune to it but in the current state of the game i I don't see that really changing i think this is kind of like the astariel being immune to the fire condition this is definitely a fluff uh fluff uh change
0: yeah i definitely see that as a fluff change too and rampant speculation here second i think we'll definitely see somebody else with the frost condition and that's why they made it a condition and you know are putting it in the book
1: yeah, I definitely feel like we'll see more stuff with it at some point. Um, I think the making it a condition was, again, they've been trying to future-proof stuff a lot. And I feel like right. this is, you know, they, they've they got the one character that's doing it now, and this is more of a, all right, he is the Frost Knight, let's make him immune to it, because it makes sense. Kind of like a Star-Oil being immune to the fire condition.
0: Yep, yep. So from Crystal Skull to Raiders of the Lost Ark, where does this one venture to?
1: Uh oh boy, I don't know. Indiana Jones movie is a huge amount. I would say kind of middle of the pack here. Uh, the Temple of Doom maybe. Uh, all right, all right.
0: You're ripping some hearts out. You're ripping some hearts. Yeah,
1: I, yeah. But it's definitely it's you kind of <laughs> expected. It right. It's it's a change that just makes sense.
0: Yep. So, uh, the next change to Xyvera is a tweak to ensure their game rules make sense within the parameters of the judgment universe zyvera can no longer unholy harvest through a cursed model super sad face
1: yeah i mean it's i this is one with more undead models coming out right so part right. of part of their stated goal with undead was to make sure that they're you know they're a balanced undead in the game versus you know other systems where the undead just were powerful for a handful of reasons. Um I think this is perfectly fine. This actually gives you some good defense against Unholy Harvest. Um if you're playing with some curse you can kind of minimize that. I know there's been a lot of talk about Zyvera lately. Um I don't know how much of it was from Holy Harvest, but I know a lot came from you know Soul Link and Diminish Will and things like that. Um but giving her the you know making it slightly more difficult to do the double soul gaze in a turn is probably pretty pretty solid thing to do
0: yeah i mean i don't know there are apparently people who don't take svetlana i don't really understand that at all but uh <laughs> some people believe that zyver is better so maybe this will get him back onto the train that svetlana is the best soul gazer of all time and there is no other choice
1: yeah i don't know if i agree with that statement or not. <laughs> um,
0: as much as i do like a
1: little druid uh druid dwarf um i mean there's someone I've, I've played you know the the herd list Uh, which was a list that, you know, it's essentially all the Minotaurs, but I actually was running it with Saiyan over Zyvera, mostly because I wanted the anti-fire and the additional AoE heal. Um, Right. And Zyvera is actually one I've been meaning to get back around just to, you know, try the five Minotaurs. Um, But I think this is good, right? The one thing that, that at times can feel backbreaking is soul harvesting in this game, right? If your opponent has a really, really strong soul game and, you know, you can't dive in on them can't do much against it having some amount of counterplay feels good and being able to apply curse to prevent you know that unholy harvest that they're trying to do i I think is good
0: yeah yeah i mean you were taking the curse condition mainly to stop that and contesting a shrine so having your curse actually do something feels good
1: yeah and, and you know curse is one that uh it's just it's a strong condition i don't think people play around a huge amount currently but um you know, it, it's the kind of characters that she's going to be. You know, cutting for an holy harvest are going to be your defenders and stuff that are up, you know, up in your soul pits and can feel safe being there. Um, right. And, and applying curse feels good on those in general, right? You don't want them to be able to soul harvest or add modifiers to it or hold shrines. And um, I think I, I feel like this is a pretty pretty good change, um, especially you know people are saying that our power level's really high, and you know. Any gear that can double soul harvest, that's a, a fair chunk of the game you're taking in a turn, right? Um, so making it a little bit harder and giving you some defense of so yeah, the feels good.
0: All right, so on a scale of vanilla to rocky road, where's the cream?
1: Feeling uh, chocolate right here. It's pretty good. Nobody hates chocolate. In this. I don't think anyone will disagree with this change.
0: All right, all right. So a couple of quality life... Clarifications and changes before we go. Bale and Sarna are now 1.0. Um feels good. They seem alright to me. I don't know. Yeah, there's some tales
1: of some pretty crazy stuff that they can do. Um, but they're they're a hero that will take some mastery to get to that level. Um, I don't know if anything actually changed on their on their card. Um going from whatever version they were at to 1.0 um so there were no
0: changes i believe
1: okay um so i mean they feel they seem fine uh i'm actually a little bit intrigued to see how much they get play i know that a handful of people on the discord and stuff have been talking about playing them quite a bit um and i've actually been trying to think of good ways to play against them because i feel like you're going to see them um quite a bit because they're they're interesting they've got a lot of different stuff they can do they've got a pretty cool toolbox that they have and the models are pretty sweet so i feel like you're gonna see them on the table a lot uh once they release
0: yeah i mean i think the counterplay to them is because the models are so small you just palm them and put them in your pocket and your opponent will never know
1: yeah yeah it'll be that's the easiest way (laughs)
0: so Kogan sustained attack updated to specify the enemy model must be damaged by the basic attack Uh, this seems like a good quality of life change to me
1: yeah it's pretty reasonable again I'm actually surprised it didn't say that Um, and I've actually always played it that way when I've played Kogan so um, I guess it's just good that it's on the card now versus yeah
0: yeah it's same thing for me this is one of those things that I thought that's already how it worked so cool
1: yeah, I mean, every other combat maneuver, I believe, requires that. So, it just just cleaning it up.
0: Um, so, Thrommel and Zaffin both got a change where uh, their timing for their fate ability specifies that it must be done immediately after the enemy is damaged. Um, yeah. It seems okay to me.
1: Yeah, there was some weird stuff where I think uh, you could actually, like, hit the model do other stuff and then trigger the ability or something funky. Um, cause the way it was worded. So like, for instance, say, uh, Zaffin was aiming so he could shoot twice. I think though, like if you shot the first time did damage shot, the second time didn't do damage. I think you could then like still big game Hunter the way it was worded. Um, so this makes it so it has to be directly after the attack, right? So you'll resolve the attack. You'll do the damage You'll do your combat maneuvers, and then you'll have to like that's your then your window to then trigger it. Um, I I believe that was the only timing thing there. I could be mistaken. Right. That's the only thing I can think of.
0: No, I think you're right. I think you're right. So overall, I think the changes are pretty on point. How do you feel about the patch in total, man?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I feel uh, pretty good about most of these changes. I I think the uh, the toning down Victor and Alandir is something that. Um, at least from community perception is that they were overpowered and this might bring them more in line, um, which is good. Uh, a lot of the clarifications, I think, are pretty good. I'm excited that Isabel Isabel's card's 1.0, um, which probably means my next event will probably allow her. Because um, I tend to, if it's a 1.0, <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, is in events that run in the past, like we were, like I did allow Fazil when he was a 1.0 before the model was out. Um, and our next event will fall before Adepticon and people will be wanting to probably this gotcha. for it. Um, and I, I was very hesitant until it's considered a 1.0 release to do some of that. Um, so this is good for that. Both of those are now 1.0, right? This is what we should expect to see. Um, so that's good. Uh, the Zyvera change is minor, but I, th- I think it was okay. Um, and then it's it's good every time every time we get some of these clarifications, you know, on Kogan, Frowl's, Zaffin, and that we're cleaning the stuff up, so that um, as new players come in, right, there's less of those repeated questions on Discord or on the forums or etc. So
0: um, right, I one of it's the things one of the things that drew me to Judgment was how tight the rule set is and how these guys are, you know, Jeff and uh, Guns are really you know, forthcoming and really want to put these clarifications out there. So it was cool to see this. I think, uh, my favorite change was probably the Alan Deere change. And I, even with the nerf, I'm still looking to get him onto the table. You know, I was gluing him a little bit last night. I got some more glue to put on him today. Yeah. He's, uh, he's still sitting in the box on my desk, so I don't have them,
1: uh, I don't have <laughs> them together yet, but my, my Victor's almost done. I've just got the little, uh, the little tiny bits on Elgarath, which are going to be a going to be a treat, I'm sure. Uh,
0: yeah, they're not too bad. They they all fit in place pretty good. So, what was the one thing that you were surprised wasn't on this patch note? So, the one thing I probably
1: was a bit surprised on was actually Sharn. Um, the one thing I know we've there's been a lot of discussion about is a bit of her her uh, hammer smash. Um, and actually, a thing I didn't even realize until it got pointed out in the event, is it's not... It doesn't even say completely within. It just says within. Uh, so you right. can move a model a huge amount of distance with it. It's also a place which is inherently much stronger than a push. Um, and then it does as much damage as her crit does. So it doesn't feel like you lose anything by doing it, right? Like, if you're going in for to do damage with her, like, why not just smack them away you know six plus inches away essentially right because you can go from front of base to back of base if it because it just says within Um, so it it, it feels really good it feels strong I, I don't know if it needs to be tweaked but that's like the one thing I kind of expected uh, to come in
0: so I think it actually says six inches directly away. So I would believe it would be completely within because you would just be moving it six inches. There's no up to it. It just moves six inches just like it was walking. Um,
1: so the thing there though, is anytime we've like place effects occur when it's done that, it's always said completely within. So that's the, like there's, there is some, again, that's, again, that might be the intent, but without it saying completely within, um it, it it's a little bit ambiguous so yeah like that's probably the one thing i i don't know if i don't know if there's other changes i would have expected to see um i guess maybe an updated um zim card because i think he's still dot something
0: yeah style. i think he'll be i think he'll be on the table for a little bit longer um Sharn was one of the first things that I mentioned to somebody when I was talking to him today when they asked me about the patch. And the other thing I'm surprised after going to the JNAC and seeing, you know, how many people had Cavardo either, you know, on the table during their games or on the tray ready to go for their friendly games and watching around all the friendly games that I saw on, you know, Thursday night and Friday night and stuff, I'm surprised Cavardo didn't get touched a little bit
1: what uh what do you think would need to get touched on cavardo Uh,
0: i don't know man you know he's just got this soup of abilities that you know brings everything together um maybe some restriction on the attacks that he can do with other people maybe you know his uh movement shenanigans are a little bit too much when you compare him to some of the other movement heroes um i don't know
1: yeah, I mean, we're really the only other one that can place enemy models kind of where they want them. Is sticks, right? Who is a, a, a bit squishier, um, but they're also a bit more mobile and a bit better soul harvest. So it's kind of a weird. Um, thing there. I mean, like, I've been using Cavardo a bit because I've been playing zaffin and it just makes sense, right? Like,
0: right, getting right. an
1: extra shot with the big crossbows can be a big deal. Um, but even just the telekinesis can be strong, especially uh, like, we get a lot of Cavardo played by us. Like, it's in a huge amount of warbands here. Um, and part of it, I think, is, you know, it if you're not clearing monsters or doing stuff like that, it can force you to deal with the map in interesting ways. Um, I know like in my, one of my last games I had where I was pretty much kind of using Cavardo to hold the shrine. And then I would just, there was a monster pit kind of close by and I would just telekinesis, my opponents, Thorgar just into the gloom every time. Just like, All right, I'm going to put you back here and be annoying with it. So you have to keep like taking parting blows and taking hits from the place and stuff like that. Um, it's also been pretty backbreaking on stuff like swamp map. Uh, If you can put a second Vajasha into your opponent's stuff and then trigger a soul, it's a lot of damage that it can do.
0: Right, right. So, you know, I'm not sure what I would do with Cavardo. I just see him in a lot of warbands. I see him mentioned a lot. Um, I recently picked him up. I haven't played with him yet. So, you know, I'm not sure exactly where on the power level he sits in my mind, but... Uh, I'm just surprised with the number of people I see mentioning him and talking to, about him that we didn't see a blip on the radar for him.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's definitely, he can fit in almost any war band, right? Like what aggressor doesn't want an extra attack, right? Or right. who doesn't want, <laughs> yeah. Or who doesn't want to like, all right, Hey, this really nasty monster. Eh, I'm going to throw into my opponent's stuff. So I don't have to deal with it. Right. It's <laughs> right. like, there, there's some strength there and what he can do. Um, and I think you see him a bit too, if people are building warbands based around conditions, because he can has two different conditions he can apply. Right. So that might be part of it too. I think he just, he's one of those models that almost any warband can have them. Right. And he doesn't feel bad in it. So
0: He's the best support model for being a not support model in the game. Yeah.
1: yeah. He's up there.
0: All right, Dave. Well, thanks for joining me on this special bonus episode. It was great to have you here, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So uh, until next time, let's recall out of here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Effigy Recall. If you have any comments, questions, ideas for a show, or would like to be a guest on the show, please email me, using effigy recall at gmail.com or message Shane on the official Judgment Discord server. Thank you very much and have a great day.